I've asked Col Colby and Ava uh, if, while I speak, if they would come up here and uh, they're going to form hearts out of this clay. And uh, that's, that's about all I've told them. They don't know what else might happen. So um, we've been exploring for several weeks now this idea of being formed in the way of Jesus, of removing the veil that stands between us and God, between us and others, so that we can live into our true selves, who God created us to be. And uh, so this is the last Sunday of that series. Next Sunday, we're going to start something new. And uh, Colby and Ava are making hearts. And I want to, this morning, as we think about what it means to be who God created us to be. I want to start in the beginning where God created. In the beginning, when God created the entire universe, he created it good. Over and over and over again in Genesis 1, God declares his creation good. And on the sixth day, when he creates humans, he blesses them and he entrusts them with the creation as their home. And he says, work it and take care of it. Now, when I say the word home, what comes to mind for you? When I say the word home, uh, perhaps it's uh, the home you grew up in. Uh, when I think about the home I grew up in, it, it is the the home that I was born into is the same home that my parents still live in today. They have never moved since I've been born. They've been there for over 40 years. And, and so I think about that place uh, as a place of home, a place where I grew up, and I think about playing outside and the adventures I had as a child there. Uh, when I think about home, I also think about uh, the home that Jenna and I built in Michigan and, and building fires in the wood-burning stove on a cold winter's day. We don't have a lot of cold winter's days here. I like it here. Uh, so when I think about home, I think about here, where we've moved and, and where we have made our home here. So when, when you think about home, what do you think of? Uh, in the beginning, God entrusted a home to these first humans, uh, this garden where he walked with them. And so in many ways, home was with God in this garden. And he blessed them. He blessed them. And he said, this, this is very good. All of this that I've created, these humans, these creatures, this earth, it is good. It is good. It is very good. He created them good. Beautiful hearts. Shalom, this idea of universal flourishing, this, this idea that we were created to be in right relationship with God and with others and within ourselves and with the creation, our home. God created us good, with good hearts. But uh, the story continues in Genesis 3, and we see that uh, the creation didn't remain good, did it? Something happened, and... The goodness of creation was broken and marred and distorted. Okay. 
You okay with this? <laughs> you put all this work into these beautiful hearts and look what I've done. God put all this work into our beautiful hearts, and look what we've done. Uh, we broke the relationship that God created us for. We broke this beautiful bond that God intended us to have from the very beginning. And the story of the scriptures from Genesis 3 on has always been about returning home. Returning to God, returning to who God created us to be, because God was not willing to give up on us. God was not willing to allow those hearts to remain deformed. He picked them back up and he started recreating them in his image. This is what the story of the scriptures are all about. We as the people of God, we can either be formed in the way of Jesus, or we can be deformed. We can either choose to allow God to form us, or we can choose to break that relationship and be deformed. Today I want to talk about this idea of being formed or deformed, about walking away from home or returning to home, about allowing God to be the potter and form our hearts back into the beautiful, good hearts they were intended to be, or to walk away and have our hearts deformed. Everything we engage in, we are choosing to either be formed or deformed. So, when we think about the first three chapters of Genesis, uh, there's this idea of original blessing, and then G Genesis 3, this idea of original sin. Now, in uh, church history, original sin has become uh, quite a doctrine that has been developed. Uh, in uh, theologians, it talk a lot about original sin when they talk about humanity. Uh, Often what is missed, though, is original blessing. That the story doesn't begin with sin. It didn't begin with original sin. It began with original blessing. And because it begins with original blessing, with a good God who created a good creation, that same good God who created a good creation is all about reversing the effects of sin and returning us to what we were created for in God. To have good hearts. To re be restored in the image of God. To have hearts fully formed in Jesus. So, in Joel 2, if I can have the next slide, in Joel 2, it says, Even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. And so God's desire for us is that we would return, not with part of our heart, but with our whole heart. 
all of us returning to God. Now, this idea of return, it's this idea of repentance. Now, when we think about the word repent or repentance, uh, a lot of negative things could arise within us when we think about that. Because uh, sometimes what, what comes to mind is the guy on the street corner who is shouting, repent, you're going to hell. And uh, we feel judged, we feel condemned, rather than invited into a restored relationship with God. Repentance is not about judging, it's not about condemning, it's about you're walking one way, and God is calling us home. To repent literally means to turn. It means to turn around from the direction you were walking and start walking towards home. Start walking towards God. Listen to the invitation God has placed on your heart and turn from being deformed to being formed in the way of Jesus. Now we'll go back to that 2 Corinthians 3, Kate. This is a passage that we, we have used kind of as our starting point through this series of unveiling. And in 2 Corinthians 3, I'm going to start in verse 12. Paul's writing this letter to the church at Corinth, and he says, Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We are not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. But their minds were made dull. For to this day, the same veil remains when the Old Covenant is read. It has not been removed because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. So Paul is saying, there's a veil. There's a veil over the heart that needs to be removed. And and even something good, like the Old Covenant, even something good that was given to Moses, like the law, there's something missing. There's a veil that is covering the heart. Verse 16, but when anyone, whenever anyone, what does your Bible say? Turns. Turns. Yes, thank you. Whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. It's you're walking one way and you turn. You turn towards God and the veil is removed. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all who, with unveiled faces, contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Being transformed. And so you're moving from something that's been deformed into something that's being transformed into the Lord's image with ever-increasing glory. We can choose to be formed or deformed. We can choose to turn towards God or away from God. It is only when we turn towards God that the veil is removed and we are transformed 
into the image of Christ. This is the invitation that Christ has put on our life. Now, the danger is uh, that when we think about the choice of being deformed or transformed, that we think, uh, I'm nothing but a sinner, and I'm a bad person, and I have to make myself good. This isn't the point. (laughs) The point is, there is original blessing that we're called to return to. And so the point isn't to try to make ourselves better by some kind of works-based theology. It is trusting in God's grace to transform us. And all we have to do is say yes. Yes, that's what I want. Jesus, transform me. We simply turn towards God and allow him to transform us. Now, if we live with a theology that begins with original sin rather than original blessing, uh, we'll hold on to something like this from Jeremiah 17. It says, The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Anyone ever heard this verse before? It's in the Bible. Uh, And it's often quoted to talk about... uh, yeah, we're, there's just nothing good in us at all. The heart is deceitful above all else. There's no cure. Who can understand it? If our starting point is original sin, we will stay here. And we'll embrace this as just the way it is. But if our starting point is original blessing, and that God is a God who blessed us and created us good, And we believe that God is also a God of redemption who longs to restore us to our original glory. We'll keep reading. A little further in the same chapter, Jeremiah 17, it says this, Heal me, Lord, and I will be healed. Save me, and I will be saved. For you are the one I praise. The heart is deceitful above all else. It's just deceitful. It's, ugh, deceitful. But, heal me, O Lord, and I will be healed. It's beyond cure in human understanding. But in the eyes of the divine, the creator, redeemer, God of the universe, thank you, it can be healed. It can be restored to the original blessing that God pronounced on the first humans. This is God's longing and desire for us, is that we would be healed, we would be restored in the image God has created us in. Jeremiah goes on in Jeremiah 31. He talks about... uh, this same thing Paul's talking about in 2 Corinthians, the, the old covenant, uh, the law that was given to Moses, and, and Paul talks about there, there's a veil over the heart and the mind when it's read, uh, but only when we turn to the risen Christ is the veil removed. Uh, Jeremiah talks about this before Jesus ever arrived on the scene in Jeremiah 31, verse 31. 
says, The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt, because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. This is the beauty of how a heart that was deceitful can be made new and good again. Because God, by his spirit, comes and writes the law on our minds and puts it in our hearts so that we can be formed in the way of Jesus rather than deformed. Ezekiel says something similar in Ezekiel 36, God speaking, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees, and be careful to keep my laws. This is God's longing that we would return home. And how does he accomplish that? By giving us his spirit and giving us a new heart. That which has been deformed, that which has been distorted, is made new. God gives us a new heart and puts his spirit in us and fills us with the longing to follow his ways and to walk with him. In Psalm 33, it says, From heaven the Lord looks down and sees all mankind. From his dwelling place he watches all who live on earth. He who forms the hearts of all, who considers everything they do. It is God who forms our hearts. We, we can attempt to form our hearts, but it's just going to end up looking like this. Our futile attempts will never give us a new heart. It is a trust in the living God of the universe who places his spirit in us that creates in us a new heart. God invites us into this journey, into this opportunity to walk with him and to experience the power of his spirit in us and through us, creating in us a new heart. Here's the thing, when thinking about original blessing, and original sin. God created the universe and declared it good. 
So the question theologians have been wrestling with since the beginning of time is uh, this thing called the problem of evil. Where did evil come from? Uh, how does it exist? Uh, there's no good answers for that. But what is universally recognized among theologians is that evil and sin have no creative power. Sin cannot exist apart from something good. So when you think about the term original sin, there's nothing original about sin at all. It is only a distortion of that which is good. It is only a parasite on something good. Remove the parasite and you'll get back to the beauty and the source of all that is good. It's like rust. Rust cannot exist apart from metal which has become distorted. It only exists because it is feeding off of something and trying to destroy that which does have creative power. It only exists because it is feeding off of something that was originally beautiful and good. Sin and evil in itself have no creative power. They cannot exist apart from it. So what does this mean when you think about your own struggles, your own addictions, your, your own dark side, if you will? Here's my challenge to you. Whatever you struggle with, whatever sin, brokenness, negative thought patterns that you keep returning to, get down to the root of it. What, what is behind it? What is the root desire? Because if you can get to the root desire behind the broken desire, you'll end up arriving at God. Uh, G.K. Chesterton once said, every man knocking at the door of a brothel is looking for God. Now, how could he say something like that? How on earth could a man knocking at the door of a brothel be looking for God? His point was that it is placed in every human heart a deep longing for intimacy, a deep longing to know and be known, a deep longing for relationship, a deep longing for God. You get behind and underneath the broken desire, and you'll find your truest desires, your truest longings are met in God. All of our longings, when we get to the root of them, arrive at our true, original longing for God, that which God created us for, a relationship with him, to walk with him, to know him, to live life with God. This is God's original blessing on us, and it is what God longs for us to become as we walk with him, a people who are living out of our true hearts. Not a deformed heart, not a broken heart, not a deceitful heart, but a true heart that is filled with God's love and God's spirit. Colby, Ava, thank you.
thanks for letting me ruin the hearts you made, and thanks for making new hearts. This morning, as we come to this table and take a piece of bread and dip it in the cup, I invite you to think about your, your truest longings. What, what is the, the broken longing that causes you to keep going to that broken pattern, that broken behavior, that sinful desire? What is that sinful desire? And, and then how do you get underneath it? and discover your truest longing to return home to God, to experience the beauty, the intimacy, and the shalom that God created you for, to come and sit at the table where God invites us to remember to remember that Jesus came and broke his heart so that our hearts could become new. Jesus came and allowed his body, allowed his heart to be broken and his blood to be spilled out so that we could have new hearts created in his image, so that we could be formed and transformed into the image of Christ with ever-increasing glory. It was on the night Jesus was betrayed that he took the bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body which is given for you. Take it and eat in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup. He said, this is the cup of the new covenant, that which gives you a new heart. Take it and drink in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. our truest and deepest longings fulfilled when Jesus returns and recreates our true home in him. God, thank you. Thank you for the gift of Jesus. Thank you that Jesus was willing to come and have his heart broken so that our hearts could be reshaped and reformed into our true hearts, the original blessing you placed on us. God, I pray that you would free us from sin, free us from brokenness, that we would know and believe and trust and live out the truth that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. That we would long to turn towards you and reflect your glory. And God, help us to know that we don't do this out of guilt or shame or judgment. We do it because you love us and we long to live as you created us to live out of a love for you. Recreate us, God. Restore us. Renew us. 
Allow us to experience the fullness of your presence right here, right now. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.